0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31 clean his clock.
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football
2: every Sunday.
1: Russell has time. Fires down the middle. Got his man Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again.
0: Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast before the Seahawks Week 4 game against the New York Jets or the football Jets. No, that would be the Giants. It's the Jets. (laughs) J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. I'm Jen Mueller, joined by Seahawks.com writer John Boyle and guest appearance this week, Danny O'Neill, who will also be making a guest appearance on the sidelines this week as I finish up some Mariners coverage. Danny O'Neill, kind enough to take my place. Danny, welcome to the craziness that is the Seahawks Insider. Thank you for having the me. the thank you,
0: thank you for having me. I'm a little nervous about the sidelines. Why uh, are
1: you nervous about the sidelines? Well,
0: first of all, there's a lot of really big dudes down there. Well, uh, I'm going to be entirely out of my element. It's not going to be the... Easiest shoes to fill, Jen.
1: Well, thank you very much. You're very kind. When it comes to shoes, I would recommend utility-type shoes and watch The Spit because there's going to be a lot of it on should Sunday. I, should I wear a suit? No suit? I would not wear a suit. Okay. Are, I you, would, are you comfortable
2: I, not wearing a suit these days?
1: I know that you're one of the best-dressed beat guys and reporters that we've ever had.
0: Uh, nobody. Everybody missed the air quotes there on yeah, best-dressed. I, 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 I saw
1: <laughs> I would say comfortable, Danny. Okay. You Go comfortable. Clothes that move and breathe. Okay. And That's I, and I, I
0: shouldn't close. get too close to Pete Carroll. Uh, try and hear some of the play calls. Or uh, Is that uh, a little that too sounds close smart, to the silence? Yeah.
1: Yeah, You should definitely try that. I keep your distance. But if you can read lips, you'll learn some really interesting tidbits. Uh, So that's what Danny has to look forward to on the sidelines on Sunday. Let's talk about what we can look forward to and kind of where the Seahawks have just come from. So to recap what we learned about the Seahawks and their win last week, guys, I think we can say – Running the ball is not a problem if the offensive line can keep doing what they were doing, John.
2: Yeah, they took a pretty good step forward. And, you know, I'm sure to a degree it was the opponent as well, not to knock the 49ers, but those were two really good defensive lines they fe- faced the week prior. So, you know, they've said all along they're kind of building up to that, and they focused really – there's a lot of talk during the week. Get the run game going, get better on third down, and they kind of got both those things they emphasized. So that's really encouraging.
1: And – Danny, when you look at what they did, it's not like they changed their scheme. It really did come down to focusing on one specific thing for each guy on the line.
0: Yeah, that was what the linemen talked about. You can see on Kristen Michael that 41-yard touchdown run. If you go back and watch how that play was blocked at the line of scrimmage, Kristen showed great explosiveness. But that was a play that was made by the way the linemen blocked, the way Justin Britt was able to just push off on the defensive tackle, slow him down enough, let him go. Jamarcus Webb comes in and cuts him down. The the way Glowinski was able to help out Bradley Sowell at the edge and then move up and get a linebacker, That's exactly, that's the textbook of what the Seahawks want to do.
1: I think the other thing we've seen as these weeks have gone on is the personality of the offensive line, both collectively and individually. Every week when I talk to Justin Britt, I'm just so... I don't know, impressed, amazed. He used to be kind of the quiet, shy guy. And now he's really embracing not only the role as the leader of that group, but just his overall personality. It's funny. He's got character and and he is a character.
2: Well, I think this move to center kind of brought that out of him because, I mean, that position on the line, whether he was the older, more experienced guy, which he is, but no matter what your experience is, if you're the center, you have to have a leadership role in that line. So that's really kind of come out of him. We've seen more of that side of him. And he's the way he's taken to that role and just really played probably his best football has been really cool to see.
1: With Jermaine Effetti expected to get his first NFL start, how much does that change? Is there going to be a drop-off? Does he come in and do exactly what we saw in preseason, Danny?
0: It's going to be really exciting to see. The, the one thing that stood out in preseason was how the interior of this line played and what kind of push that they were able to get from guard to guard. Mark Glowinski, Justin Britt, and Jermaine Effetti. And I think the injury to Effetti, which, remember, happens five days before the regular season opens. They had installed their game plan, they had started working, and all of a sudden they, they've got to put Jamarcus Webb into a position he'd played before, but never here in Seattle. He'd never played that spot here in Seattle. So I, I think I'm excited to see how that that will work. And if Look, Effetti, by all accounts, is a pretty rough and tumble player who they believe is going to be able to exert extreme uh, uh, amount of physical push, they're going to have their hands full. It's a really good defensive line the Jets have, but I'm excited to see.
1: Well, and it was interesting when we were talking to Ray Roberts yesterday and his comparison and just his eye as an offensive lineman for what a Fetty can do. He described him as having pop. You know, he said some guys, there's different styles across the offensive line, but if Eddie just has that explosiveness, that pop, and actually compared him to Frank Clark on the defensive line as far as get off and first step and quickness. And so I thought that that was interesting. And I wonder, too, guys, how much, yeah, those guys across the Jets' defensive line are talented in their first round picks. Are they as versatile? As the other two really good lines that they saw in Miami and San Fran, or I'm sorry, in in the Rams? You know, hard to
2: say about as versatile. They're a little different. Pete Carroll talked about this a little bit. Maybe not as like speed, but more of a power. You know, they can just kind of crush a pocket. And uh, I I do think, you know, it'll be different, but I think having played the Dolphins and Rams already, Bradley Sowell talked about this yesterday. That'll help them. I mean, you get tested by those kind of teams, and by the third time you see that much talent, it's a little more normal. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I do think they're a little better prepared for it now than they were two weeks ago.
1: What do you think, Danny? Because I remember watching the Dolphins and thinking, oh, my gosh, those ends are all over the place. You talked to the guys in the locker room today, and they said, well... It's not that they're less talented, but they're not going to do quite as many different things against you.
0: No, they're not. They are probably going to blitz a little bit more on third down. That's something that's pretty characteristic of Todd Bowles as a coordinator. They will like to heat it up, but I I think you're right, that you're not going to see – as much um, changes at the line of scrimmage in terms of where guys are lining up. And this was more with the Rams than anything else. The Rams really tried to confuse and muddle the Seahawks' run-blocking responsibilities just based on where they were lining up and who they were putting where. This isn't that kind of defense. This isn't a, a defense that's going to try to overwhelm you with the variety of fronts that they put up there we'll see they are they are and as john said Muhammad wilkerson is as physical a force as you're going to get at a defensive tackle at the same time it's not like he's going to be stronger than Kung sue was so they should be in some ways prepared for about what they're going to face
1: and how much does russell wilson play into this whole whole formula and picture
0: yeah that's it, it's sort of the million dollar question that nobody's quite sure of is he moving better because the ankle injury has had another week to heal. Is he going to be moving worse because he's now also dealing with a sprained knee? I think the thing that you come out of this is that Seattle is going to come in with an approach and, a, and an attempt to build upon the success they had in the running game. That's the quickest way to get pressure off of him, is to make them back up and defend the run. And Kristen Michael is is off to a great start. And if they can if they can impose their will at the line of scrimmage again, that's gonna go a long way to not forcing Russell to get into a situation where he feels he needs to make plays.
2: Yeah, and they don't I mean they don't want him sitting back there getting hit, obviously, but they're also not an offense that whether it's been, you know, in years past, if your left tackle's hurt, or they're they're not a team that's gonna just say, We can't throw the we can't take time to throw a long ball. We're, they're not gonna drastically overhaul their offense. But as Danny said, you got to get the run going and maybe get a little bit of more of that quick rhythm passing, which they've been trying to go more towards anyway for the last half a season. So it's uh, it, we just don't know. I mean, we got to see how he moves out there.
0: The other thing, and Russell brought this up on his own today, he was asked about the, the play in which he suffered the knee injury, and he said, that's third and long. I've got to throw that ball away. Yeah. And that's probably the recognition right there, is that he's not going to be able to extend place, that that part of it, not that you have to tear out that page and throw it away, but look, he can't count on his quickness to be able to an extend to extend a play like he would when you, he was healthy, and I think that that's good to have in the back of his mind going into this game instead of, boy, how great do I feel, saying, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to color within the lines a little bit here.
1: And it sounds like with the sprain... It- It's such a different type of injury. I'm wondering, you know, you go back to week two. He couldn't quite get the same zip on his throws downfield just because of the injury to the ankle. It doesn't sound like the injury to the knee. Opposite knee from the ankle injury has that same type of effect on when he decides to throw the ball. No,
2: and I think the ankle was affecting maybe his ability to throw because it was on, as you said, his right leg, which is that plant leg, which you hear about with pitchers or throwers of any kind. You need that for your power. So his ankle, by all accounts, is getting better. We saw it before the knee injury that he was moving better last week. So I would think, you know, when he's standing in the pocket throwing the ball, I don't think this knee's going to be an issue it's if he has to move around then we find out how much of an issue it really is.
1: And it is helpful that the Seahawks are going into their bye week after this game. So he will get some time regardless as to how much he plays in the game. We know he's going to start. We know he's going to play a significant amount, at least based on the game plan going in, and then he will get a little bit of a break. So I think that injury news is pretty good. News about Thomas Rawls this week, I don't know if surprising, but it certainly was newsworthy. And then when you sign C.J. Spiller, it kind of gives you a different indication as to where they're at, right? It's a total bummer,
0: the the news about Rawls. And and I think that this wasn't anything they were being coy about. It was when the swelling subsided and what they knew that he got kicked really hard in his leg. And when the swelling subsided, they saw a hairline fracture. So they're going to have to wait for that to heal. Now, the, the, this isn't good news for Thomas Rawls. The good news for the Seahawks, Krista Michaels played really, really well. But when you combine that with the fact that C.J. Proseis is probably going to have to be in a cast for another three weeks or so, which is what Pete Carroll estimated, you want to get a different sort of option here for that third down back. C.J. Spiller is a really talented player. You're talking about a former top 10 overall pick, a guy that's played now seven seasons in the league. This is his seventh year, but someone that is an explosive, explosive player. I'll be interested to see what he's able to do. I don't know how soon we're going to see him, but I think it's an interesting—this is a no-risk, no-lose. The the New Orleans Saints are paying the majority of his salary this year, which is fantastic.
2: Yeah, no, it is. I mean, this guy, as you said, tons of talent, 1,200-yard rusher in 2012. Maybe not that player right now, but they don't need him to be. I mean, they're not going to ask him to be a 20-carry guy. Maybe he's the third down back until you get C.J. ProSice back. That might be a big ask this week because that particular role is asked to do a lot in terms of assignments, protection, all that. And he even said, talking to the media, he doesn't know yet if he's going to play this week. He's still He just got here. He's learning the playbook, all that. But it does. It just gives you a really talented extra piece to, to play around with in the backfield and see where it all fits in.
1: And it completes the hat trick of running Former backs Bills acquired running backs. by Buffalo Bills. Yes. Thurman Thomas
2: is coming in next.
1: Well... <laughs> I don't know what you call that I don't know what that is that I don't even think that is anything no way to throw off the analogy John sorry here's the thing though that running game improved across the board and last week John and I talked about where the Seahawks were not getting those yards you know they had zero yards when using a fullback when they had two and three tight ends in the game they still were not getting those yards per carry this week they use a two tight end set 55 percent of the time and they're averaging over four yards a carry I think we can see see Pete wants to use perhaps Luke Wilson maybe another tight end in that fullback role but what does that say about the use of tight ends and with Nick Vanette coming back what they could possibly do
0: you're going to see a variety of, of options that are here they have four tight ends on this roster and if Nick Vanette and once he gets healthy and is back playing the possibilities you have there and then with the flexibility of both Luke Wilson who's fast for any tight end and Jimmy Graham who is a Veritable wide receiver. The options that you have with that personnel group, because you remember what opponents are going to be looking at is okay. What's the personnel they have on the field? Oh, they have three tight ends. Does that mean they go to more of a goal line look? Well, if that's the case, oh, all of a sudden you've got Luke Wilson and Jimmy Graham potentially spread out wide. I liked the look of Luke Wilson lining Pull up back. in the backfield, yeah. the H back offset a little bit. He's a, he's a Canadian, right? So he's got to have some toughness to him. Um, I, I think that you are going to see this is going to be a little bit less of a of a power running game, maybe than we've seen in the past. And I think honestly they've been moving away from the fullback for a number of years for the number of plays that they use. And and they have. They've they've looked better when things are kind of spread out a little bit more.
2: Yeah, and, and as Danny touched on, Daryl Bevel talked about this yesterday, but they love the matchup options and especially when you do get Nick Vanette in there. If you could go three tight ends with Luke Wilson is that H back role and you do. It might look like a power look, but if a team's gonna put their big base defense in there two of those guys could be out running routes, and all of a sudden you flood them with receivers. If they go nickel, now you've got the power to run the ball. So it's, there's a reason a lot of teams, New England loves this. You get multiple tight ends in there. It's just really hard to match up with.
1: Does it matter how they get those running yards? For example, you know, if the Seahawks have been known as a power running team the last few years, and Marshawn Lynch was certainly the identity of that, does it matter whether they get those yards out of the spread versus lining Luke Wilson up back there and, and going straight power? Does it matter? Does it change the identity of the team?
0: Yeah, it does. They, they need to be able to impose their will. That's the reason running the ball is so important for Seattle is because of the impact it has in the fourth quarter of games. This has never been a team that blows people out early. They pull away late because they kind of wear teams down. And I think that what you try to do is create some opportunities, some openings to run. Because here's the thing, when, when you say does it matter – the best thing about getting some motion and some movement is you get more place. You get first downs. You get more place. You get more of an opportunity to keep running at them. So I think that that's what the great sign here is that they're flexible enough to, okay, we're not going to keep running our head against a brick wall, but they are going to find a way to run this, this ball repeatedly. Right.
1: As long as you get those yards on the ground, does it matter how they got there?
0: Not if, as long as they keep the chains moving, as long as they keep things going, that's going to be the biggest and most telling impact.
1: Let's spend a couple of minutes talking about the Jets. And I know that we are looking at uh, numbers from last week tend to skew the overall look. What can we expect from the offense that made it inside the 10-yard line last week three times and came away with one field goal in that situation and two turnovers?
2: Yeah, I mean, you you can't go into a game expecting you're going to get an opposing team turn the ball over like that. The Seahawks want to get their turnovers up. I know... Uh, they they got their first one, which was exciting for the Seahawks, and they'd want to get more. But they're going to see better than that from the Jets. It's going to be, you know, this is a team. We don't know what their receiver situation is like. They're nicked up. But they do, when they are at full strength at least, they'll take their shots, which we haven't seen a lot of teams take chances against the Seahawks. They kind of have been – these offenses have been more conservative. Maybe this is a game that Richard Sherman finally gets tested. Maybe somebody tests Earl Thomas over the middle. But again, if depending on their, their receiver situation, that could be in doubt.
1: Yeah, and just to recap that receiver situation real quick, Eric Decker was limited at uh, practice with a shoulder injury. It appears that he aggravated that in the game on Sunday. Wide receiver Jalen Marshall is out for at least a couple of weeks with a torn labrum, and Brandon Marshall has yet to score a touchdown, and he's got three receptions in two of the three games that he's played this year, which means that if you're already down on that receiving core, perhaps Sherm and Earl can really hone in and, and keep Marshall off the board, but It does look interesting and perhaps opportunistic, Danny.
0: Yeah, this is an offense that's going to throw the ball around. And the six interceptions you mentioned and the fact that they turned it over when they got inside, there's going to be chances. And that's what this defense has been waiting for. I've wondered if if teams have adjusted a little bit to Seattle's defense. If they've looked at it and said that personnel they have out there, you don't want to take chances against them. You don't want to try to make plays. Your best route to trying to win a game against Seattle is not to force anything and to wait and see if you can pull it out in the fourth quarter, let it get to there. This is not a Jets team that's built to play that way. They, they don't like playing that conservative route. They're going to be aggressive, and they're going to throw the ball downfield, and I think that that's going to be a welcome sign. Richard Sherman, by my count, has had eight passes th- thrown, thrown in his direction to guys he's covering. I think he might get as many as eight in this game on Sunday, which I'm sure he's looking forward to.
1: And we talked a little bit about the defense and the defensive front that the Jets are going to show the Seahawks. And it is interesting when you talk about that run game and getting yards on the ground. The Jets are third in the NFL at rush defense, 71 yards a game. So I guess we know what we can expect on that side. I don't know about anything else past that defensive line because it's tough for me to see past that D line, but they'll have their hands full up there for sure. And that seems yeah, to be sorry. about what we're going to say on this. This subject. is what happened to me. I had a third
2: person. I was looking at Danny, and <laughs> Danny's looking back at me. And, it got awkward. Sorry. Yeah. It got,
0: got awkward. That was my
2: fault, Jen. Well, that's right. No, that was I was looking teammates. for the radio professional to, to help us out. Or you? for me, just yes. to
1: throw anybody a bone on that one. All right, here we go. we got two minutes left. Here's the thing. We've talked about a lot of stuff. I will give you guys each about 20 seconds to come up with your key to the game that you are going to be watching because it would be awfully nice to hit that by at two and two, and to be feeling really good. No, three and one. It what am I be, talking it
0: about? It would be yeah. three and one. Yeah, we want three and
2: one.
1: Well, I'll go with three and one. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a sad. That it's was be a, wow. <laughs> what day of the week is it for me? Goodness gracious! All right, you got
2: baseball on the mind. I got I got
1: a lot of stuff on the. All right, so after that little misspeak, let's try to go 3-1 and one, heading into the bye. In order to do that, Danny, what do the Seahawks need to do? What's your matchup?
0: Positive turnover differential. If, if there's going to be a thing that they're going to do, they have had a negative turnover differential in each game this season. They're 2-1, and one, which is great, but that goes against the historical standards of Pete Carroll. If they're going to win this game, they need to have a positive turnover differential. I think they'll do it, and I think that's going to come with, it, with a secondary that's going to intercept a couple passes, and I think Earl Thomas is, is going to take advantage of, the, uh, of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was picked off six times last week.
1: John?
2: And I'm going to kind of go along those lines. I think what could lead to that positive turnover differential is stop the run, which the Seahawks have been doing. They've been great at that so far. If they stop Matt Forte, stop the run, then we're going to see what we've been talking about. This Jets offense likes to take shots. 49ers, when they couldn't run the ball, they kind of, I wouldn't say they punted on third down, but they check it down. They weren't really pushing on third and long. I think we'll see the Jets take their chances if they get to third and eight, and that's where the Seahawks could really flip it.
1: I would like to see them start quickly for their first East Coast game of the year and just kind of get that going so that they're not um, trying to make so many adjustments at halftime and playing catch up in the second half. Of course, I will be doing that from afar. I will be listening to Danny O'Neill on the sidelines this week. I will be watching everything that John Boyle writes at Seahawks.com, which is where you can find some really cool stuff throughout the week. We do hope that you head over to that page. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Seahawks Insider for Danny, for John, I'm Jen. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.